operation. My knees are nasty, you know? <laughs> you got the one great, my knee is permanently like scarred. So I'm like, damn, what's the most I'm like, I did, nigga. You have a turpentine on this bitch to get the skin to <laughs> do how you want. What's going on, fam? No, man, I'm good. Like I said, man, the, the first conversation me and you had was on the phone. So I was like, man, dude, you like, next one, we're going to do a video. I said, damn, we leaped the step, nigga. I thought, I, you know, you go from the phone, <laughs> just the, you know, the microphone to the video, the third installment, you know, I thought when I did the video, I had a gold chain for me, the Lexus would be outside. <laughs> so it be a little bit earlier than I thought, bro, but it's good to see you, man. Man, you too, man. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get ready to get into your product, man. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely good. I think we both, um, a little bit further than what we were the last time we did an interview, which is important. Growth is important, but, uh, you know, it's good to catch up, man. So Definitely, man. I'm trying to figure out. Should I look at you or look at the camera? Uh, look at the camera. Okay, okay. man. That's what I'm trying to kind of say. All right, now nah, I bet. Uh, but, nah, man, it, you being too modest, man. Because you was telling me your moves off camera. I ain't going to put it out there. <laughs> but you being too modest, man. And uh, But you right, man. Just growth, man. And, like I said, opportunity this year from where I was last year. I really was on when me and you met. I was really on the cusp of like some really big stuff uh-huh. that was going to end up happening at the end of last year. Um, and then I took a little break and just start planning and plotting for the summer, realizing having a full year under my belt. Because I think when me and you had talked, I was probably, uh, technically it was a full year I've been rapping, but mm-hmm. really not in terms of like I did my first show in August. And so that whole thing was really kind of like you said, my first year. So my second year, going into my second year, um, which is coming up in August will be my second year. Um, I just wanted to do some stuff different. Like, all right, what worked, what didn't work? What were you know what I'm saying? And so I'm seeing the opportunities and the results yield. It's like, damn, I just been able to do so many dope things. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, let, let's let's talk about it, man. I, we're gonna talk a little bit about hip hop in general because you know that's that's the shit that binds everyone together. I believe is hip hop. But um, what's what's been your moves this this past year since your last project and what you most proud of? Um, so like I said, man, my last project, I literally, uh, my last project that I actually dropped was like a holdover from when I was still living in Kentucky. Cause like I said, I, I lived here and then I moved to Kentucky, went to school in Kentucky. And so the project I had recorded and put out when I had, uh, I had started working on it while I was living in Kentucky. And then I finished it when I got here, like recorded it, all the beats and stuff like that, wrote the rest of the songs. So like, uh, beginning in 2018, before you met me, I had dropped from my side, which ended up being like a really big song for me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So then going into the summer, uh, we had did like our first brew house, which was like an amazing, it was an amazing series. Um, and then a lot of stuff just started happening. That I didn't realize it was going to happen. You know, I went, uh, I did the cypher at Soul Classic, which was a place I really wanted to perform. It's actually my cousin's shoe stop, but I shoe shop. But I didn't want to kind of pull the family card, like, yo, bro, can you put me on? So there was an event, and from that event, I ended up getting on 106. And it was crazy about 106 is that uh, my my dad had just asked me, like, literally maybe, like, two weeks before, like, what you got to do to get on the radio? I'm like, honestly, that type of music I make, you know, the way the game is now, I don't know when I'm going to be on the radio, if ever. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, I'm like, yo, dad, I'm going to be on the radio this Friday. <laughs> you know, so that was last year. That was one of the highlights last year. And this year, man, just started off real good. Like, we were in a planning phase, but because of my team, I was able to get on at the 25th Annual Hip Hop Expo. I was able to perform at the Lincoln Theater, which was an amazing experience. Um, I was able to um, do an Avenue for All, which was uh, over on Parsons. So that's over by where I grew up at. So I was able to do a festival, like the first annual festival okay. in my community. So that was really dope. Um, and then probably by the time this comes out, I've done the Beer Fest after party, which was a really dope experience last year and be able to do it again this year. And then we got conference coming at the end of June. So it's like, these is all big, big moves and it just seems really accelerated. So that's really what I've been up to, man. And then put together this project, man, just trying to make sure like people really get to hear it. I was more meticulous about how I did it. 
uh, a more cohesive sound. So I had my dude Jesse do the whole project in terms of like the beats. Um, and then uh, Diggy, she recorded them, and then I sent them back to Jesse for him to do some more mixing and mastering on them. Okay. So just uh, a real cohesive sound for the project, and just stepping my game up. You feel me? I'm trying to get to get into the next level. You feel me? So. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. We uh we gonna talk about your project. We're gonna kind of end with that. Uh, I yeah. wanted to talk about like hip hop in general, and the way that I want to kind of preface this is Lil Nas X, Old Town Road. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's kind of taking the world by storm and we see how like the country music is really trying to keep him from infiltrating. Yeah. Um so first before we before we get down to the next part, what what do you think about like Old Town Road, like what is what it's meant, the effect it's had, like do you even like the song? Me personally me personally, it's cool. It's it's catchy. I can understand why people like have gravitated towards it, but you know, it, that's just kind of me. What, what do you think about it? Man, I think it's definitely a fusion of like hip hop and country, um or rap and country, you know, because for me hip hop is its own genre. Like rap is one thing. Rap is more the more commercial pop side of it. Uh-huh. Hip hop is the more the culture, the more cultural yeah. based thing like that. You feel me? But old time world, I had a problem with it because it's like, bro, he's like, I've been doing this. You feel me? Like I've been rapping in the country accent and stuff like that. So I had no problem with it. I thought it was actually pretty dope. I watched the video of it. Um, I was like, okay, because that's the first time I really sat down and heard the whole song. I only heard like little clips and memes and parodies. So I finally sat down and heard the whole song. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, this is smooth. So uh, when it comes to that, I don't necessarily count that as hip-hop, but I definitely like the form of expression. Um, and I'm not, I don't know, I'm not one of them purists. You feel me? I'm not one of the guys that's like, um, but I'm not one of them guys that's like a purist. So, it's, you know, one of them guys like, this didn't sound like this, and it wasn't Nas in 88, or it wasn't Jay <laughs> in 96. I'm not that guy, you feel me? Okay. To each his own. I used to be. Then I realized everybody from the expression, and I would much rather him be doing that with more true to him okay. than him trying to do something that sounds like a future or something that sounds like a Jay-Z. Like, bro, if that's your lane, get in your lane and enjoy it, bro. Like, I'm not. And I think that's the thing, too, that makes, like, you see the backlash he's had from, like, country music as a whole. That's what makes hip-hop different. Because mm-hmm. us as, like, hip-hop fans, I think, I feel at least, like, if you're good, we embrace you. Doesn't matter what background you come from. Doesn't matter what city you come from. Like none of that. We embrace you if you get it. You respect the culture. Yeah. And um, I used to be like, be like a hip hop purist. And even though this, this, that's still part of me. Like I'm always going to enjoy wordplay, enjoy lyricism. But let's be real. If you go back, some of the music that we loved when we were kids isn't the most lyrical. So there's a place for all of them. So I agree with you. And we and we actually grew up. Uh, people in our age back in the, like 25 to 35. We actually really grew up in an era where music had really low-key got devalued. Like, a lot of stuff was like, you feel me? Like, no offense, because I love listening to it growing up, but there was stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, man, just, like, people mad at mumble rap now, but I can see how people grew into mumble rap. When you think about grew up in the the pop hip-hop era in terms of, like, you know, uh, was it coming? Out, like, the whole Diddy Bling era, and then, you know, that was all, you feel me, Nelly and all that stuff was like, yo, that's dope. It's pop. You feel me? But, like, we are super-duper far removed from, like, you know, you'd have to go into, like, our younger, younger years to be like, all right, we was really listening to hip-hop. If you was even paying attention, because like, I tell people all the time, like, I didn't grow up on uh, Biggie or Pac, you feel me? Like, I, my dad's a little bit older than that, so you feel me? He was listening to, he graduated 88, so stuff he used to play even when I was younger would be, like, Public Enemy. Um, he had played stuff, Craig Mack, LL Cool J, you feel me? Like, them is kind of more on my roots, if I would say it, classical hip-hop side. Okay. I definitely grew up in, like, my real influences in hip-hop ended up coming later, like, in my late teens with, like, Kanye's and Chance the Rapper's Childish Gambino's, those guys like that yeah. were, you know. 
That makes sense. That makes sense too. It's like uh, I mean, hip hop is just so fast and ridiculous. Like you can literally every. Um, to piggyback off something you said though, you, you kind of went into it. What is hip hop to you? So if you had to like write thesis on hip hop, what would be your overall view of what hip hop is? What it means? I think for me, man, I had a really unique experience in that my introduction to hip hop was really in the culture. You know, I went to a place called I start holding my skills at a place called the Rehab Tavern, and that place is really based off of ciphers, break dancing, spray painting. So that was a Wednesday night for every night. 2015 or every Wednesday night uh, in the summer of 2015. That's what I was doing. So I got introduced to with the culture, really to be in terms of a culture. You know, a lot of people are, are introduced to the culture in terms of being in their room, you know, downloading beats off of YouTube and just rapping in their room. I was really in a place where like people were ciphering, there was immunity, people were breakdancing, people were spray painting, stuff like that. So for me, hip-hop, man, really is a cultural thing. And even just how I've grown now in terms of like, my first thought rapping was about being a star and all the things that you associate with, you know, fame and all the glory and stuff like that. But really realize the impact hip-hop the message it has the doors go open. so that's really what uh hip-hop is for me all right so um what when you when you're making your music what uh like what gets you in the zone what do you listen do you listen to music do you like look at because I, I i've talked to some artists that like they don't even listen necessarily listen to music when they're getting ready to record some watch movies some look at art like what's the thing that you do that gets you in? um when it comes to recording the beats is what gets me in the zone like you know when i hear something that's what gets me in the zone so like i said with this project man i was really able to in because Jesse had sent me like these were beats that we had had for a little minute and I made a decision when I made this project I was like my next project I feel like it's going to be my best project and my biggest project. I want you know Jesse to have his fingerprints all over this because he's the person I originated and started with the first person I ever recorded. So even though I'm not recording with him like actually in studio recording I'm like, I want his beats to be the DNA of this project. You feel me? So for me it starts with the music. You know when I hear the music and the, the picture starts flowing and I really say that it's almost like in that moment uh, it's almost spiritual. Like I connect to God because a lot of times I'll start writing things that uh, will be meant one way or perceived one way and then it'll really actually come to fruition or really it'll happen in the future. Like I wrote this project, uh, probably start writing at the end of last summer, like in the middle of last summer, end of last summer and recorded it in like November, October. So it was all done recording, but now I'm actually living a lot of the things that I was talking about. Not to say that I wasn't living them things. So I'm not somebody like I'm selling dope shoes, but like the things I was talking about when I thought about it on one level, it was true, but then how really deep it really went. But you know, that's when I'm recording. Now, if it comes to like performing and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I like to probably re- remove myself from music as much as I can. Like I like to, like you said, watch movies, chill, hang out with my friends or I go perform. And then there is a certain type of music. I got a list called the pre-show Jones. And what that's for is like, when I listen to them songs, that's how I want people to hear me. So like, when I listen to them songs, it inspires me. and not necessarily gets me in the zone in terms of my music and making it, but gets me in the zone and performing it and being like, I want people to have this type of experience when they hear me rap. So, so, um, so I, I mean, I want to ask you this. The last question before we actually talk about your project, sure. is uh, the, not just, the, I don't think just just the music scene because I feel like the creative scene is ready to pop. And I actually posted on Twitter, I think it was this morning, like, you guys need to get familiar with some of these Columbus artists because Columbus is really about to affect the culture. Kind of like the way that, that like, Houston and St. Louis had at one yeah. point in the early, early 2000s. So, like, being in the in probably one of the most competitive times in Columbus as local artists are, like, really all, I wouldn't say fighting for the same space because I feel like almost every Columbus artist is collaborative and there's so much love in the yeah. city. But what do, what do you think about like the, the creative scene in Columbus growing like it is and then what do you do kind of stand out but also to embrace other other artists that are around um, my big thing with Columbus creative culture is that I really try to uh, I came in at a great time because honestly yeah it's about the pop but this has been happening like the, like anywhere else it's been happening for 
five, ten years. And so I came in and came back to Columbus 2017. I've been gone since 2011. I moved back in 2017. I got back in 2017. It was just the right time. Like, I was a new artist and everything, like, new opportunities. Because a lot of, like, niggas that was telling me, like, three years ago, like, bro, we didn't have all these open mics. We didn't have all this stuff. So, you know what I'm saying? And so, it was like, when I came back, all these people throwing their own shows and realizing, you know, empowering themselves. And I think that's what's going on with Columbus culture. People are able to start empowering themselves because of technology, because of know-how, and then also because of connections. You're starting to see uh, artists from the culture or the group that I'm coming out of. Uh, you're starting to see them on, you know, you're starting to see them on the TV. You're starting to see them on uh, local newspapers and stuff like that. Like Cassius Keys' face on the side man. of, I can't, I don't know what state in yeah. that man's face. So Dreamcatchers take that picture, but that like that's uh, our culture being inundated in regular culture. I think that's what's happening is that the wall between, um, you know, creative culture and then just Columbus period is starting to come down and people are starting to see local doesn't mean less. Like local, you can still get a great show. You can still get a great, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody will come out from out of town with a bigger name and they'll give you a horrible show, but you can come see somebody that's actually your neighbor or see somebody that, you know, you grew up with and they put on a hell of a show and these shows are different. And like you said, I definitely think Columbus for sure is going to be the gateway to the Midwest in terms of, like you said, St. Louis, Chicago, Philly, like, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland at one point, Cincinnati for a little while, like all those places had it. And it's like, it's just getting to be Columbus' time. It's the 14th largest city. It's a big test market. Ohio State is a big time uh, varsity. So just how your music can move in a real grassroots way. So the way I try to stick out is just, I try to show as much as much love and appreciation to Columbus as possible in terms of I try to be involved not just in my creative community but in my community period. So the big staple of Hallmark with Lucy that you you'll see him out in the street just as much as you'll see him in the studio or you'll see him uh what's that but you know I'm out here trying to bridge the gap, make all the right moves. I think that's what Columbus is lacking but it's starting to catch up is that, you know, it was cool when we were all if it was a hundred artists and we were all in the same room, but then as we started to grow and stuff like that, like we need more consumers. We need a big your fan base because all a hundred of us even if we bring one or two fans we can't share all those people you know what i mean yeah. we don't have enough money economically for it to be feasible so we have to break in and tap into that two million population at columbus ohio you feel me so my big thing is paying attention doing stuff that's local not trying to always okay i got a little something now i'm gonna go and try to outsource doing podcasts like you know, taking the opportunities to go talk at school, stuff like that make impacts in different ways locally so that people are really like hold up he's just like a bigger artist he just happens to be where i'm from but he does just as many interviews, he does just as many shows, you know, he's charitably involved. Um, and I think people really gravitate to that more than what people realize. And that's what I try to He, I would say my, my top four performers in uh, Columbus, Ohio, I say top four because I haven't really thought of a fifth one, but Cassius Keys, uh, Ibriallo, Asia Dallasan, and Tree Mandela. Like, they're the only people I've seen consistently every single time. You think more people have stepped into the room because of how many people are paying attention. Like, I, you know, I've seen people perform and people stay at the bar, they in the bathroom, or I've seen people literally come off the street to hear these guys perform. If you look around the room, nobody's on their phone, or if they are on their phone, they're videotaping. Everybody hones in on those people. So, yeah, definitely um, what them guys are doing amazing. I mean, like, outside of just artists, like what uh, Malcolm's doing with Owen Soda's party. Yeah, man, that's... Bro, that thing is, like, turning into a whole thing. That, that's really, like, man, it, it's really a huge event, a monthly event. Uh, what he's doing with Orsoda, uh, what Trip Fontaine is doing with Native Tongues, man, that thing is just like ridiculous. Actually, uh, he's having a omen from Dreamville come. That's crazy. So that's, that's crazy, you know what I mean? That, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's housing something that's having a major label artist come and perform at his thing, you feel me? Um, just with, like I said, getting introduced to the Lincoln Theater crowd, what they're doing over there, what 
people like Caroline Bennett are doing. Like she did a TED talk, two TED talks. You feel me? And she lives right here in Columbus, Ohio. She's from Oklahoma, but like I said, the amount of people don't realize all going on in the city. It's not the sleepy town that you think it is. There's a lot to do and a lot of amazing stuff going on. The infrastructure is starting to really, the artists in the infrastructure start starting to fuse. And that's what it means. Absolutely. And the next thing, man, let's get into what we came here to talk about. <laughs> Your project, man. So uh, the name, let, let's start that. What's, what's the name? Uh, so the project is called Somewhere Out South. And I, I was just telling uh, Rachel, who's somebody on my team, uh, Blatant, that you know, somewhere outside is more than just a location. Because people think, yeah, I'm from the south side, I made from my side, you know, but it's really a mentality about you know, growing up in a place where we didn't have a lot, so we had to always make what we got or take what we got and make it stretch. You know what I'm saying? That's the community living. Like I grew up in a two parent home. I can remember a lot of times my parents making stretch, not just for us, but like you know, my dad went out and got a 26 seater van so that he could pick all his players up, so nobody would miss football practice because he knew how important it was for those kids to be out there doing something, you know, extracurricular. Um, my homie Jesse, man, you know, he grew up in the same thing that I grew up in. Now he's a barber, you feel me? He works at Mike's Barbershop. Mr. Mike grew up in Unity and started his own barbershop. I actually had one. It was doing so well, he was able to open another one up, you feel me, and get another one to his son. So it's just like coming from a group of people that really started from the bottom, not just geographically in the South, but that's kind of how the South is, period. Like South yeah. anywhere, you think of South Chicago, South Philly, you know, these South Side neighborhoods, man, you really got to scrape it and pull it together. But we always make something that's uh, comparable and a lot of times even better than sometimes what our counterparts have had may have started out with something. So. So, all right, so that's the message behind the name. Definitely check it out. Uh, like, all right, let's get into the like the tracks themselves, just in the mind space of when you made the album, when you were making the album project, what what was the message you wanted to cross this spot? So the first message, I mean, we like to catch right. Yeah. All right. So the, the first message is, man, like don't fuck with the South Side. That's what, <laughs> and that's what, because uh, at first, man, that's why I was feeling a lot of like backlash and heat. Like I felt like coming in and representing for who I was representing for, you know, it wasn't really a, a big voice for South Side. There were South Side artists, you know, that were doing amazing stuff. But, you know, I really made it a point to make my platform about where I was from. So, you know, the, the first couple songs, like, um, you know, Son of the South, the first track, and then uh, Outside, it was both just letting you know, like, nigga, this is where we from. We not, you feel me? We not to be slept on. You know, we we not to be trifled with. We not to be fucked with. You feel me? So that was the initial message going into it. But like I said, as I continued longer process than what I thought, I ended up going back and writing some stuff. Uh, going back and adding a couple songs. Um, it was almost like a honed in vision of what I literally could see. Okay. You know, like it was almost like my sight beginning of the project, like what I literally could see in front of me and recording and talking about the things I literally could tangibly see. And then as the project went on and as I kind of started to tour a little bit in that time, my vision started to kick in and that's how you get from the beginning of your project being very honed in I think to a location to more of an ideal you get songs like you go from Sun of the South to by the end of the project um, the hood is our home you feel me like how to, there are two different vibes you okay. know what I mean about the same place but it's like almost like my fist was balled up when I first started the project and then kind of loosened them up and alright what is it you know when you take the anger and the aggression the ego out mm-hmm. what is it that you really trying to get accomplished so, okay. what was the hardest about I think the hardest thing about this project ended up not even being a recording. Recording that actually came together really good. And I actually had the opportunity once again, shout out Rachel. You know, we went to the we went to the studio, uh, and into her studio. We recorded like a demo version, so I hear how I wanted it to be. Then we turned around and I went to Diggy Dolce over at Empire Studio and I recorded actually there and that night because that I got my homie Jesse on there doing some of the, the interludes and stuff like that. He was actually free, so he you know what I'm saying he was going initially the studio sessions earlier and had to get pushed back to later. He was able to come and make it 
get somewhere able to do that all in one take. Um, and then after that, I sent it over to Jesse. He put the right mixes on it how I wanted it. You know, and it was perfect. The hardest part for me was doing, I think, the due diligence, not just putting it out when I made it, but and then sitting on them songs too. Because my last project, I was performing them songs six months before the project came out. People liked the songs, but there was no reason to go listen to the project. This was like real tight lip to where like I think I might have only did like one song off of the project a couple months prior. Like I know March I did, and it was the same song. These dreams I did that at the Hip Hop Expo, I did that at the Lincoln Theater. Um, but yeah, so that was the hardest part, just doing everything correctly, even down to like this last little bit where you know right prior to the project we wanted to release it one way and it was like nah because there's some limitations we have to release another way um so that was the hardest part just really the business side of it copyright stuff like that like getting that stuff done was really like handling myself like a business as opposed to just a creative this is like it's you and your team doing this like um, all on your own so like any artist who thinks that they need like a major label behind them or a machine behind them what would be some words that you would give them to encourage them to just take take it under their own wing and just do it themselves uh i think that because the temptation is there especially for uh, acceleration but I think you see in a lot of times labels can only accelerate what they initially start off with and it's like the more that you have to bring to the table initially the more leverage you have and you know you know, it's the difference between being able to, to accelerate a lot of paper and accelerate a boulder like you can throw a lot of paper 90 miles per hour and it may hurt you feel me but you take a rock you take a baseball or you can throw a boulder 90 miles per hour that's going to really do damage and that's where you see a lot of artists burn out quickly because it's like they didn't have much to start with and label just took a hot song or a hot moment and split it when like I said when you come to my team and that was a big part about building my team the way it is so like I said that's uh blatant LLC you know um and that's actually managing me. So, you know, that right now, the, the roster consists of, late in the collective, is me, Bardo Jones, uh, Rachel Renee, Chief Third Baseman, and True Mandela. And, I mean, um, and then, collectively, as a team, we just pull on each other's strengths. Like I said, Rachel is phenomenal in, like, the aspects of the, knowing all the, how to cross your T's and dot your I's and technological. Um, so, like I said, my project, literally, my release strategy fell apart in one day. And by the next day, she had a new release strategy ready for me, up, moving and stuff like that. Um, um, so I would just tell people, man, really get your team together, get your um, get your team together, get your platform together. Because if somebody comes to me or when they come to me, because I know they're going to come, when they come to me, you can't shake me or tell me or paint an image for me because me and my team is already going. Yeah. You know, my big thing is platform and everything. I use my platform for faith, community, um, and in Columbus creative culture, you know. So because I built my platform that way, when somebody else comes in, they can't tell me like, oh, that's not going to work. They're like, no, that does work. You know, I've accumulated this many followers on community. You know what I'm saying? I've got it to the point where doing what I'm doing has got short. Okay. You feel me? So I think it's just artists, if you have all your stuff together, have your team and your ducks in a row, uh, it gives you more leverage with the major labels because, you know, some major labels work for people. Me personally, I probably would prefer an indie label um, just because it allows you more creative freedom and stuff like that. But I wouldn't necessarily flat out discourage it, but you definitely got a strong team in place so that you don't get spun around. Absolutely. Uh, there's a track on here that I want to I wanna specifically talk about. And it's because we were talking about my dog before we started recording. So I'm listening to it. I'm downstairs. I got the speakers going in the studio and I'm listening. I'm listening to the blues, which is, it's like a minute and a half track. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's. Like between the the beat, everything like it's a dope track. My daughter comes in and she's listening. She's like, "Play that again, man." I played it again. And she- She's starting to get to the point where I think she's listening to the lyrics, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Yeah, Dad, send this to me. I need to listen to this." <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I want to ask you for that track specifically because my daughter's going to be watching. It's a shameless plug, so I can continue to be the best dad in the world. Okay, but walk, walk, walk us through. Uh, I'm gonna do the kid friendly first. <laughs> it was hard in these streets in the night, but. Nah, uh, with the blues, like I said, that was, um, I think that was reality setting in for me. You know, like I 
like I said, the beginning of it was me kind of like more of a clinch fist, south side against the world mentality. Okay. And then these dreams kind of expanded. So prior to that, these dreams kind of expanded on, you know, I had things how I wanted them, you know, this is what it would look. But the blues, we got sober in a moment, we realized reality. And just, like I said, a lot of stuff I was talking about, you know, like a lot of my classmates, you know, you go to the Slammer, you know, which our local paper that shows you everybody that's mm-hmm. been arrested. A lot of them guys is on there, you feel me? Um, a lot of... Uh, just the way we live and, you know, the issues that we have. Just stuff like, you know, I was talking about um, a lot of Simba's got stars and, you know, niggas be fast, but they never get to run far. It's crazy because prior to me moving back in Columbus, one of my homies got murdered. A little bit, uh, a while later, probably when I first moved back within like the first month, uh, another homie got murdered, you feel me? And he was a rapper and I was actually talking to my homie Keese. Uh, and it was Robbie Red that got murdered, man. And that was so crazy because I remember us as kids. Like, you know what I'm remember meeting him when I was a lot younger. You know what I'm saying? But you grew up in a certain environment, certain things happen. And then, like I said, him to pass. Um, and then just recently, I was actually at the barbershop a week ago and um, talking to the homie, one of his homies got killed. And I didn't know the guy firsthand, but I had met him. He's one of the very first people I played my music back or played my music for in Columbus. So I realized, man, like that's our real life. The blues is our real life. That's our real situation where it's like, man, we live in, in these times where, you know, things are very dark. And not necessarily that it's all bad or that, you know, you know, everything's horribly wrong. And that's why right after that, I put don't no, ain't forget about it. Cause I want people to remember like there is light on the other side of the tunnel. Blues is definitely that sober moment we sit down and it's like, it's bigger than just, you know, one side of the tunnel. It's bigger than just even music. Think about our lives, the times living. That's what I have to say. And that's real dope, man. You got me. I'm going to this interview like, what, man? The kids love me. Oh, man. I'm telling you, my daughter is like, she's the, like, when she know, loves music, that's how I know that, like, it speaks to more. Because, like I said, I'm an old school hip hop head. So, I know I look at music differently, but for my 10 year old daughter to listen to something and be like, oh, no, I need to hear that again. Rewind that. Oh, no, send that to me. I need to keep listening to it. I'm like, all right, that lets me know. And it being short, man, my project is made up of low key, like, singles and then these short moments because I didn't want to overdo them. Like, the blues was going to have like a little interlude and I was going to come back for a second verse. And that was, you know, uh, with. Uh, Son of the South, um, Beauty and the Struggle, The Blues, and The Hood is Our Home, those are all shorter clips with streams of thought. And I just like, I want them to get the point. I don't want to beat nobody over the head or put a verse down, you know what I'm saying? And then outside these dreams and they forget about it are, you know, almost quintessentially singles, you know, because they're three different songs, whatever, three full length songs. But that was kind of the point, too, is that I wanted the project to be a moment. Like, I want people to be able to listen to it and hear it as a moment in time. So not putting too much into it, man, in terms of like effort. I put a lot of effort into it and rewrote a lot of verses, you know. You know, right. But in terms of like people when they heard it, I wanted them to be able to get a moment like the blues and then be able to segue real quickly into something like Ain't Forget About. It. I didn't want to belabor a point. So I okay. say what I had to say, man, and in out. You feel me? So that's that's real though that your daughter like that. And like I said, cutting through, that's one thing I'm realizing about my music uh-huh. is that you know, I did a show where it was nothing but track rappers. I thought the prerequisite is that you had to rap about Zans or Cody because everybody else rapped about Zans. <laughs> and Cody, and I, said, I didn't get the message that yeah. what he was doing tonight. But I get off stage, man, because everybody kind of had throw out the first person up. And I got off stage, and everybody was kind of froze at first. And I was looking like, we don't know if we like this. We couldn't really turn up to it, but we don't know if... And so I get off stage, man. And literally, people coming up, hey, man, that was fire, bro. That was dope. One guy was like, I love rap like that. He said, I want to rap like that. He said, but I just didn't know, you know, rapping about God and the style that you rap in the community and stuff like that. He said, I want to rap like that, but I didn't feel comfortable because I feel like that was dead in this landscape. He said, but to see you doing it in front of everybody and to see the impact it was having on people and the, the conversations, because that's what it is. The music is just supposed to start a conversation. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I would want for your daughter to be like, man, that's somebody that I want to come and watch this interview. I mean, yeah. now she gets instead of a minute of me or three minutes of me or 17 
feelings. I mean, she gets buddy minutes. She gets an hour. Feel me? Like you get those are just sort of things. It's a temper spirit that gets people tension. And then you have to sit down because I don't want to have to rap all my message. I would love to be able to sit down and articulate a point. Mm-hmm. You know, without people having to be like, what he really meant was, or what yeah, he was trying yeah, to say yeah. when he rhymed it like that. Potato, tomato. That's the same. Like, no, nah, I want to be able to say clear English. You know, and that's another part of my platform. That I so, like, and you mentioned, and I, I wanted to kind of go back into put you off blues. You stopped yourself from adding another verse or adding into the song. Do you feel like, like, what does that do to you as a creative to be able to say, you know what? No, nah, it's good like this. Because I know, like, for me, there's always uh, a temptation to go in there and keep tinkering and make it to make make it different, make it more easily digestible or whatever you want to call it. So, like, where? How did you get to that place as an artist? It's just like, you know what? No, let's get this one. I'm not going to add nothing. But the good thing is, and I'm not even going to lie, um, I added and forget about it in the hood is our home. So initially it was five tracks instead of okay. seven. So initially the reason why the blues was longer as well is because it was going to be the last track. So okay. within that, I was going to have to kind of do the first verse and then come back, give you some commentary and then do another verse that was going to close it out. But then when I was like, no, this is fine the way it is. And Jesse had sent me over the last two beats. I said, oh, I'll those are two beats I really wanted. He sent me almost like a beat pack. Okay. The first five that went together and then I had these other two. And I was like, bro, do you have that beat from such and such and such? You got that beat from such and such and such. He's like, yeah, bro, I got those. I sent them to you. So he sent them to me and I was like, I don't have to make the blues longer. I can freeze that moment and I can put energy into another direction in terms of how this song goes and this song goes. So there was a lot of stuff I wanted to put into the blues that I was able to put into and forget about it and okay. then put it into the hood as our home. And also, I just realized, you know, you spend a lot of time tinkering with the music, but did you fix everything? Like, people love to work on the things that they love or have a passion for. Like, when I played football, it was great. Like, when I played tight end catching the ball, mm-hmm. nobody wants to work on blocking. Yeah. You feel me? So for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to, this, this project's done. Now let me spend, you know, project comes out in June, so I it's been done technically like recorded and done probably since January so between that time it wasn't touching the project it was making sure the project after I put all this time and energy into it has a nice environment growing roll out in the right way that you know when we put it on is going to be accessible and things like that so maximizing that so that's what I really spent a lot of time tinkering on alright it's great being a creative but as a brand and a business how are you carrying yourself how can you fix it? how can you tinker I think that's where it fell through last time music is good that's a lot of artists your music can be great but you're, you're releasing your delivery you know so then it just negates all the greatness of the music um, so what Due to as an artist, where were you at first project? Where are you at with the second project? What what has helped you get to this new place this year? Yeah. I can tell you right now, like interviewing you the first time, you can tell you love hip hop, you can tell you love music, you're passionate about music, but it seems like, and this is just me sitting back as an interviewer, you're at more at a piece about your art that you do. Yeah, definitely. I think because, like I said, with the first project that you heard was really probably like fourth project, okay. so it's like four and five. Okay. But and so even the project before that, um, you just grow up and you mature you realize what's important and so really like with, with the probably so that was project four so project three it was completely about me like when i first went back to columbus music i performed like it was like a me 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 moment 2018 i started to go each community into it and realize that both from just like a community like where i live and then the artist community there was more important things i need to support people and stuff like that and so at a level of maturity and then actually i was like really on a roll and i got in a car accident at the end of 2018 and i was off work for a little while things weren't going my way and i sat down and that's where god was able to step in and it was like look i'm doing it for me nah, that's not enough to do it for i'm doing it for the community ah that's still not enough to do it for and then when i introduced god into it and just it accelerated my growth this is man so like you said it's a lot different for me now the maturation of who i am now as an artist or even just as a person i talked to Trip five it's about doing to become successful you got to do the life work you know 
he said the man work in terms of like growing as a man and as a person. So I changed a lot just as a person. So it's not that, uh, you know, I may not move always with the same amount of like, I'm very intentional about what I'm doing. So it's no wasted steps. And I put all my energy and a hundred percent into it, but it's not a lot of wasted steps or not. A, I try to limit the fancy okay. for me because I've been doing it now for almost two years, all this will be two years. So I know that, you know what I'm saying, from point A to point E is a certain distance, but you'll only be able to get there in certain increments. So trying to speed up, you're just wearing yourself down. It's like running a uh, running a marathon, you know. Whether you take off sprinting at the beginning or you take off sprinting at the end, you feel me? Like, it's really just about who can have that stamina and have that, you know, perseverance. There's a lot of obstacles that come with that. So just, you know, humbling myself um, and getting older, mellowing out, you know, just even where my life is, person and things that matter. You know, I wouldn't probably, wouldn't have said to me, wouldn't have said, you know, I've always been in the church and you know, I believe in God, but like as much as God is doing in my life now, those are things that last year I didn't have. I think that's part of the reason why I didn't take off how I wanted to because, you know, God was like, listen, I got a lot of amazing stuff for you, but right now you didn't build your platform on some wobbly stuff. He says, so I need you to sit back. I, know, I put community into it. He said, that's good, but community yeah. changes, community can be fickle. He's like, God is the one that's constant for me in terms of how he moves, how he loves, you know, how he takes care of his people. Um, so, uh, he's been when we talk about God, I guess. <laughs> What's good, Nation? Let's talk about Jesus. Y'all just burst in. Like, I guess Jesus don't get no glory around that motherfucker. I'm playing. Last words, man, before we send the people home. What's, what's one last message you want to leave them about you, your project, the city, whatever? Um, a couple things. I think uh, I, I pretty much said a lot about me. And at this point, I think people will either get a chance to know me or people who do know me have a pretty good idea who I am. Um, but in terms of the city, uh, the city's about to pop, man. There's some amazing things that are going to happen. There's some amazing artists in the city. The infrastructure is getting better, man. So I just want people to really uh, take serious what's going on. Shows like this, you know, opportunities, man, are really becoming organic in the city where you don't have to outsource or go nowhere else. A lot of those things that you're wanting are right there. You know, the rap chat off, you know, at this point, all across the country, right here in Columbus, Ohio. You know what I mean? There's a lot of amazing things and opportunities in Ohio. Uh, I think just talking to artists and people, period, man, you know, just developing, man, and standing for their platform. I think that's really what I want people to come away with just in dealing with me, period. Like, I want them to look at the platform and be like, all right, Deuce, you know, this is how he carries himself because these are the things he cares about. You don't have to care about the same things as me. That would be lovely. I'd love to have more people care about what I care about, but the people who care about what I care about are going to care, you know, and they're going to follow me or they're going to start their own platform to belong what I'm doing and that's going to be amazing. But just whatever is important, you know, because you can't, I'm, I'm not an uh, advocate or I'm not, you know, passionate about everything. So there are things that other people can help and service other people in because I can't cover the whole spectrum. Yeah. I think that's what I don't like about some artists who try to be, you know, I have to be specific. Logic is just one of them artists. I'm like, bro, you can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. You feel me? So for me, it's like I, I can be the best. And so the things that matter to do is that affect news, that affect this community. And I'm a selfish way because I'm always growing. So new stuff matters. Like I went from myself to community to, you know, caring about God and all that stuff. Like that was a growth. I'm going to continue to grow. There's going to be some things that just aren't going to be, you know, my platform, but there'll be other people hopefully that come up and realize like, yo, you got the power in Instagram, you know what I'm saying? In social media, you got the power to create a platform and direct people and show people. Also, just uh, something I learned about leadership recently that's really about serving. You know, I was, in a, I was in a rush to be in leadership because I thought that's, you know, I was in a rush to be a star. And that's not the same leadership. Um, and stars are dictated by the people in terms of when they think you hot, you hot. Not true. Leaders are dictated by their actions and how they carry themselves. And people, some people will follow and some people won't. But a leader stays constant. 
mindset of what it is for me. So um, I think that's probably it. Dummy part of my song. Because <laughs> kids, man, are so hard these days in terms of like, if they love it, they love it. Yeah. But if they don't, they won't even give it a shot. So the fact that like it's cutting through to somebody that young, that one means that you're doing a great job of raising them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, most kids be like, uh-uh, he ain't talking about twerking or trapping. Like, what have you been next to a trap? <laughs> Who been in here twerking, huh? You might have been doing the videos. Like, that's most people, you feel me? Like, so to see you see your daughter be like, oh, no, no, you really talk about something. Like, you know, send this to me, Dad. I'm like, man, tell you the premier team. Also, man, follow me on Instagram, man. Check out the rest of my platform, at no room to fail. So, at no room and the number two fail. So, yeah, that's it. That's it, bro. Nah, man, thank you. That shit was, huh. that shit was lit. <laughs>